Davis writhing in pain on the floor. This is the Rich Eisen Show. Kind of re-aggravated, you know, the injury already had. I told you, the Lakers can't win this without uh, street clothes. You want to explain that? I call him Anthony Street Clothes Davis, because he's always in street clothes. (laughs) (laughs) The Rich Eisen Show, live from the Rich Eisen Show studio in Los Angeles. Today's guests, host of ESPN's The Jump, Rachel Nichols, Buccaneers head coach, Bruce Aaron. Plus, sports media personality, John Boy. And now, it's Rich Eisen. Hey everybody, welcome to this edition of the Rich Eisen Show, live here on NBC Sports on Peacock. If you want to watch us, go to PeacockTV.com. If you want to listen to us, well, maybe you are listening to us. So just keep it right here on this Rich Eisen Show terrestrial radio station or Sirius XM Channel 211, NBC Sports Audio. If you're streaming us live on Odyssey, keep it right where you got it. Um, we'll have a fun three-hour show in store for you here in Los Angeles, California. Chris Brockman, good to see you over in your hey, chair. Hey, Rich. Uh, sorry, breaking news. I'm the next Celtics head coach. There you go. So I got, I got, okay, I got. See, there he goes, everybody. It's like walk-off. Only two hours and 58 minutes and change to go on the show. <laughs> I can't do the news, so if Chris leaves, we're... we're but good to have you back, back Mike. Hey, hey, Mike. Hey, Mike is here. Chair. <laughs> DJ Jefferson. Hello, sir. How are you? Well, Rich, it was a pleasure working with Brockman. And um, yeah. can I at least get those Clippers-Lakers tickets when you're in town? Yeah, yeah. you got it. There you go. Very good. Yeah, cool. Yeah. Um, hey, uh, Celtics are in, uh, looking for some uh, new personnel, but oh, yeah, we'll get yeah, to yeah. that in a second. I... I that, that that will eat up a lot of time on this show. But I, I do want to talk about special moments in sports. It's why we watch, right? Yeah. It's why we watch. It's why we're into it. You know, I know that some people put hard-earned American dollars on certain outcomes and things of that nature, and I'm totally confused by it. Um, but we watch for special moments. We watch for stories, and we watch for uh, the moments that get us off our couches out of our chairs out of our seats and every sport needs one of those players okay every sport needs one of those players and in basketball there's just a handful of guys that do that for me just a handful of guys two played against each other and had incredible moments against each other in do you remember the um uh, State Farm playing tournament. You remember that one? <laughs> I do. Yeah, that was fun. I remember that. Yeah, that was fun. Um, you know, Steph doing his thing, and then LeBron jarring one from damn near half court, providing the game winning points. Those are two guys that just their games, their play, how they go about their on court business, and rise to the occasion. They get me out of my my seat. Those are in my mind the top two guys. And there's now a top three guy. <laughs> and, and, but we, we've been into him for a while here on this sure. show. But true, true, true. He's, he's on par with them. He's on, he's on that level. And it's Damian Lillard. How amazing is this guy? How remarkable is this guy? How many times is this guy going to point to his wrist because it's his time? And, and it's because... He just did something remarkable when we're all looking for it. That's the guy who gets me off my couch and or woman who gets me off my couch. I mean, Serena is that in tennis for many years. Oh, yeah. 
But the athlete who gets me off the couch is the one who consistently does it when we're all expecting the athlete to do it. And everybody who's competing against the athlete is looking for it and is trying to prevent it and cannot. That's Damian Lillard. A three-pointer to force overtime, a three-pointer to force double overtime. (laughs) And when he doesn't make one, you see the opposition like Austin Rivers looking (laughs) to the heavens like thanking the basketball gods it didn't jar. And And you're also thanking the basketball gods when this player passes it off like an incredible dime to Robert Covington who blows the dunk. A pass across the court that gets tipped in the hands of the usually very dependable C.J. McCollum who takes a step back and steps out of bounds. And that's all she wrote because, hey, by the way, uh, Jokic had a 40-point game too, and the Nuggets are a revelation in their own right. The Jokic, what is that, you was it? Can you call it a skip pass when it's literally from the front row to go throw it to MPJ in the corner who jarred the three? Yeah, big shot. That was the huge shot uh, of this game. There's so many huge shots. But that pass out of the double team, I forget which Blazer tried to tip it and fell down on his keister because – he went so high up to try and stop the pass from reaching its intended target that he couldn't control his body on the way down, leaving the wide-open three to be jarred. What a hell of a game. And I can only wish, based on the health of the stars of the two teams playing in the other series, with the ultimate of respect to a 50-win team and the Suns, with... Chris Paul, it sure looked like his shoulder popped out of its socket last night, the way he was acting and reacting. Maybe can 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 the NBA step in and advance both the Nuggets and the Blazers to the second round? <laughs> Let's do it again. Let's play seven more between them because it looks like this is going to go seven. Looks like we're going to be back in Denver this weekend. Yeah, and I'm all does. for it. Holy oh, cow, is that amazing? Absolutely. And we joked yesterday they got the NBA TV treatment. Yeah. And that was the best game of the night. What gets you off the couch as a spectator, as a fan, more than somebody whose play is so infectious and so good and so warranted of your attention and his walking the walk leading to the tapping of the wrist? Amazing. I cannot get enough of this guy. And in the same way that I, I'd love to see him make a deep run, I mean, can Chris Paul stay healthy when he's got an opportunity to maybe go deep? Doesn't look like. And then, but still, they just took the Lakers minus Anthony Davis, or as Charles Barkley called him last night, street clothes, which is why Charles gets all the <laughs> Emmys that he gets. That he would talk about a generationally talented player like Anthony Davis in the manner in which he did last night, calling him street clothes as Davis, wearing a Kobe t-shirt, watched his team get blown out. Wiped out. Wasn't even close. 
And it sure looks like the seven-seeded Lakers are not going to get Anthony Davis back anytime soon. Chris Bosh, who was on this program yesterday, was on Dan Patrick's show today, proceed ours every single day on NBC Sports Audio, Sirius XM Channel 211, and NBC Sports on Peacock. Chris Bosh selling his book uh, on Dan's show, talking about how he tore his adductor off the bone. Mm, Or he tore, pardon me, he tore his adductor muscle in a playoff series once, and he, on Mother's Day, and he couldn't even think of going back on the court for three more weeks. Doesn't know what Anthony Davis is suffering from, but he thought Anthony Davis's next game will be next season. Yikes. Is what his guess was, just mm. looking at this injury. So it looks like the Lakers are, there's a, there, there's the playoff four. I know, I know Kenny Smith has the fishing meme, but there's a playoff fork and it looks like it's about to be stuck in the Lakers. Hard to think that they're going to be able to perform at all in championship quality with LeBron still not, if you will, 100%. Anthony Davis in street clothes. And there's no there's no third man on this team, like say the one that we saw with the Nets last night who passed the audition the first round, to use a Beatles term. Fun game of basketball last night in Denver and the rest Nets finished off the Celtics as we expected and the Lakers getting blown out. There is a game six coming back at the downtown Hoops Dojo here in Los Angeles later on this week, but I don't see that doing anything except maybe extending the Lakers' ultimate misery. We'll see how Chris Paul is. But man, do I love Damian Lillard. Moving to your team, Chris. Who knew when Brad Stevens walked off that court last night as the uh, Celtics get eliminated by the Nets that it would be, for all intents and purposes, his last game as the head coach of the Boston Celtics. The Woj bomb today started about an hour ago, a little more than an hour ago, with Adrian Wojnarowski of ESPN saying that Danny Age is expected to step down after 26 seasons uh, in the front office, president of basketball operations for the Boston Celtics. And then Brad Stevens is moving on up. He's the one taking over for Danny Ainge, leaving the question as to who takes over for Brad Stevens. And on behalf of the rest of the NBA, who sees the Celtics come out of timeouts prepared to score successfully more often than not because of what's being cooked up on a on a magnetic board or a grease board by Brad Stevens. Thank you, Boston Celtics, for this maneuver. And I know that the Celtics are less than and have been disappointing in the last couple of years or two, three years, but hey, you know, maybe that's why Ainge is stepping down because there's no super team there. They're not going shopping for groceries like everybody else, and there's no superstar there that's concocting a way to get somebody like Anthony Davis on the team or Kevin Durant on the team or James Harden to the club. They're just trying to build it with young stars, one of whom got injured for the season right before the playoffs where it didn't look like they'd make a deep run anyway, and so thus 
who wants to coach two kids 25 and under and Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum and the rest of that team that Danny Ainge has put together with Kemba Walker, who I think I saw your lovely uh, Mm. mother of your child tweet out a terrific uh, tweet today. Yeah. Sarah Tiana tweeted out Kemba Walker cutting down the nets, beating Butler back in the day. Ended Brad Stevens' uh, coaching career twice. Twice. (laughs) Which is one way to put it. The other way is I would love to, can't wait for, it will be fork and knife out, napkin tucked into my chin, under my chin and my shirt. Can't wait for that pre-round two Zoom with Kyrie Irving. Kyrie, your thoughts on Danny Ainge no longer being in charge of the Boston Celtics and now your old head coach now being in charge and your team was the one who ended that reign in Boston. Your thoughts, Kyrie Irving. Will he take any sort of veiled shot? Will he go high, higher ground? Highbrow? Will he go highbrow and who say, cares? "Yeah, I'm ready to turn the page." You're like, "Who cares?" Something <laughs> fancy. Who cares? Oh, I can't wait. Please. Kyrie's a loser. Uh, I would say the opposite of a loser. <laughs> I'd say he's moved on to the second round, and he's got yeah, two generationally talented Hall of Fame teammates great. to try and go deep in. Oh, by the way, for his childhood favorite team, too. Of course. Because he grew up a Nets fan out there in New Jersey. Who didn't just fall head over heels in love with Drazen Petrovic and hope to be a Net one day? (laughs) There's a lot of salt coming from over that side of the studio. Well, I don't blame you because... Man. I mean, because Ainge is the one who did somehow... Jedi mind trick the Sixers into taking Markel Fultz and allowing yeah, yeah, him to just take Jason Tatum. I mean, now why are you dragging Tatum? me into this well, because, now? Like, I was on your side. And you bring up something that hurts me. Because it's not like Ainge is a total piker at this job. Okay? That there no, were, one of the best. That there were teams that he built with Doc Rivers as the head coach. Yeah, I mean, and the there, are banners is, in, there are banners yeah. in, the, in the TD Garden. People in Boston are going to try to make it seem like, you know, Brad Stevens was a failure as head coach and Danny Ainge was a failure as general manager. Like, come on. I'm not here for that today. They were not. They just didn't, they didn't hang win, a banner. They didn't, they didn't win multiple championships like, you know, everyone had hoped. But the expectations in Boston are unrealistically high every single season. That's just the nature of being a coach and a J- GM on one of the most storied franchises in sports. That comes with the territory. So who do you want as your next head coach? I want Brad Stevens as my next head coach. You're not going to have him. And by the way, you know who's not coming? Coach K's not coming. You well, see all that right now? Want, he's trending right co- now. I don't want Coach Well, K. I mean, unless he, you know, at age 74, that's when he wants to leave the warm embrace of Duke University yeah. and try the NBA. 74 years of he age. I mean, I know 20 Tony, years ago to coach Kobe. Right? I know Tony LaRusso came out of retirement to go, to go into the dugout in the White Sox, but. I want someone who's uh, on the young side. I want progressive, whether that's Becky Hammond or uh, an African-American head coach in Boston. That's what I want to be the next head coach. Uh, I want someone who can tap into these young guys. There's a lot of reports about uh, maybe they were tuning out Brad. Uh, maybe there was some unhappiness in the locker room. Let's write that ship. Let's, we've got two amazing, young, talented players under the age of 25. Let's build around these guys. Don't touch my coach in Michigan. I, I, I would I would love to have your head coach. I do not want Jason Kidd, so people can stop tweeting me his name. Why don't you want Jason Kidd? Yeah, Jason Kidd is not a good head coach. <laughs> Celtics totally 
up in the air. Who thought when they were strolling off that Barkley center floor last night that this was had to be in the works, obviously. I think that Brad and Danny knew that it was. Of course they knew. Obviously it was happening. It feels like so the players this has been had in the to works for months. Players had to know like too. It feels like the players probably could read the writing oh, on the no, wall. No, they had come to on. Know. Come on, look, everyone in this league talks. It's just that, you but know. this didn't get out it did until not, this no, morning. But, but in-house, they, everyone had to know that Brad's yeah. thinking about it or isn't the same or something like that. It feels like this is a vast overreaction to what has been an insane two seasons of basketball. The NBA jammed two whole years into one with the bubble last year, the restart, and then really mm. forcing this season mm. down everyone's throat with four games in five days and a 72 season. And it felt kind of rushed. Uh, Tatum gets COVID. Brown misses the rest of the year. And so it feels like it's a little bit of an overreaction. I don't know who they're going to get who's a better head coach than Brad Stevens to coach this team, but... You know, my fingers are crossed. Well, my just, you know, speaking on behalf of all New Yorkers to you up there in Boston with the Celtics, maybe maybe you should get Kyrie out there to to to, to re-smudge nah, the garden. Because ever since, right, not, TJ, since he went to the garden and nah. smudged pre, pre-pandemic, right? Since he did that, it all went right down to two. It does see. I mean, look, I don't want to say. Did Kyrie put the jinx up there? I don't want to say he put the, the heebie-jeebie on them or anything, but. He might have put his stamp on it. I mean, Karma will definitely come around. Put he put his stamp on it? He put his foot on it. He did. Sure. He yeah. put his foot on it. He put his foot in it. <laughs> Great. <laughs> all right. Hold laugh, on a minute. Let me get my professionalism it. back. Yeah, laugh it up. Oof. Look, Rich, I'm in no position to laugh because I, I've, I've got a dominant big man who might not be playing. Okay. I'm a little worried myself. You know who's so. the perfect guest? Rachel Nichols is about to join us, my fellow uh, nominee for Best Studio Host. The Emmy Awards are a week, uh, a week from last night. So you invited her on, and you were in that. That's, that's kind of big. On, that's big dude, of you, Rich. Stop. Very big of you. And then the Ball Brotherhood <laughs> takes back over with Bruce Arians in hour number two. And John Boy. I told you we were going to try and get into this whole sticky substance on baseball it's stuff. It's crazy, man. Yeah. He had crazy. an incredible breakdown on YouTube based off of that Mike Schultz, the manager of the St. Louis Cardinals. Is that a rant? Would you say a rant? Post-game rant? Yeah. When country Joe West uh, made his pitcher change a cap? I think it's a rant. John Boy, hour number three. 844 rich number to dial right here on this edition of the Rich Eisen Show. We are back with Rachel Nichols right here on the Rich Eisen Show with everything going on in the NBA. Let's talk about Callaway Chrome Soft before we go to break. Xander Shoffley, John Rahm, Phil Mickelson all hit bombs with their Callaway Chrome Soft golf ball. Callaway doesn't just make a better tall for tour players, better ball for tour players. They make a better tour ball for everyone, and that includes somebody like me. Whether you're a pro, a low handicapper, or someone like me, I'm in the gray area in between. You want the best performing tour ball, and there's a Chrome Soft for you. I use the original Chrome Soft. It's Callaway's number one selling tour ball because most golfers love the combo of incredible distance, soft feel, and short game control. There's Callaway's number one ball on tour, which is Chrome Soft X, and the amazing green side action there. You'll love it. But if you really want to hit the bombs, Callaway's longest tour ball, the new Chrome Soft XLS, is the one for you. It's better for everyone, folks. Chrome Soft isn't just better, better for everyone. Find your Chrome Soft today at CallawayGolf.com slash Chrome Soft. Back with Rachel Nichols, the host of The Jump, when we come back. Let's talk O'Reilly Auto Parts, people, or as you might know from their jingle, O-O-O O'Reilly Auto Parts. 
They're in the business of keeping your car on the road. O'Reilly Auto Parts offers friendly, helpful service and the parts knowledge you need for all your maintenance and repairs because you know when you need your car fixed, you need somebody who knows what they're talking about and is helpful, has a smile on their face, and gets you back on the road. They've got thousands of parts and accessories in stock, either in-store or online, so you never have to worry if you're in a jam. The team at O'Reilly Auto Parts can test your battery for free in or out of your car. If it needs to be replaced, they'll help you just... Find the right battery for your vehicle. Need your windshield wipers replaced, a brake light fix, or a quick service? They'll help you find the right part or point you to the nearest local repair shop for help. Whether you're a car aficionado or an auto novice, you will find the employees at O'Reilly Auto Parts knowledgeable, helpful, and the best of all, friendly. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today or visit us at O'ReillyAuto.com slash Eisen. That's O'ReillyAuto.com slash Eisen. Afford Anything talks about how to avoid common pitfalls, how to refine your mental models, and how to think about how to think. Paula, while certainly you can mess up on a million dollars a year, it is far less likely than it is on $30,000 a year. Right. I would meet wonderful people that were struggling with a budget that was super tight. It was 100%. You need to make more money. Make smarter choices and build a better life. Afford Anything, wherever you listen. How did you wind up at Weber State, Damien? How did that happen? I uh, just didn't get recruited. Uh, I remember, you know, going into 11th grade, and you know, none, my, nobody on my AAU team was getting recruited. And you know, the guy that I played for, Raymond Young, was like he had a lot of college coaches that were his friends. And, you know, he was connected because he had sent so many players off. And I remember he got together all the best guards in my class in Oakland. Uh, me. Kwame Vaughn, there was another guy a year behind me uh, that played a few years in the league when I first got in the league, Will Cherry, who plays overseas now. Um, my best friend, P.J. Taylor, we all went to a gym, and he got this coach from Loyola, Chicago, how funny is that, mm. to come watch us uh, work out. And he came, and we all worked out and played one-on-one and did all these drills and stuff. And that was, they started recruiting me kind of just based off of that, but I felt like it was more of a favor. Um, but um, I, I had a good summer on the circuit in Weber State. You know, at, at one of the games, you know, there was one coach at the game, and it was uh, Coach Randy Ray from Weber State. And they started recruiting me hard and, you know, developed a relationship with him. And it wasn't like, you no know, big time schools came along or nothing like that. So I just kind of went with the people that I developed some trust with and, you know, people I was comfortable with. And you were the number zero representing the letter O from Oak, from Oakland and obviously now you play in Oregon. Do you feel now that you, 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 you play basketball in Portland, in the Pacific Northwest, beautiful state of Oregon that you're overlooked, that this is a, a theme for you, Damian Lillard, your whole life that you're overlooked. Would you? Yeah. I, I think that? that, I think that's been my story. You know, just, um, I guess being looked past. You know, I, I don't want to say overlooked because I think people see uh, what I do. Um, they just look past it. In, in high school, like I was saying, I, you know, on the circuit, I played against all the best players, and I was having big games. You know, so I remember seeing, you know, all these high major schools at the game, seeing players on the opposite team. So you know, they had to see what I was doing. They just looked past it. You know, because they were looking at something else. 
Same thing in college. You know, I would have big games when I played against big schools, and it was rare to see somebody else. So, you know, um, and I think now being in Portland, you know, we don't – people got to stay up late on the East Coast to watch us play. Um, we don't play on TV, you know, two and three times a week. So I think it's just it's easy to look past it. So, I mean, I think that's just been my story. Love Damian Lillard. Love chatting with him and watching him play. Everybody go to our YouTube stream for more. 844-204-RICH, number to dial. We just showed Damian Lillard on our program from uh, just a couple of years ago. Um, And uh, I just love his energy. I love the way he plays. I love all of it. And I mentioned how, you know, he's up there with Steph He's up there with anybody that is um, a top-notch player in any sport who gets you off the couch with his play or her play. Who's that in the uh, in the NFL? That would be Mahomes, right? Rodgers, Mahomes, where they'll make a throw and you'll just like, oh my gosh. Yeah, uh, for sure. And if you're talking about non-quarterbacks, I think you're looking at like... Tyreek Hill. Oh, Tyreek yeah, Hill and sure. Derrick Henry. Odell. Uh, Odell when Odell. he's at full strength. Right. AJ Brown is kind of entering that category. Saquon, D- if he's DK helped. Metcalf for sure. Uh, back in the day, Reggie Bush. Reggie Bush Absolutely. in college. Absolutely. Right. Oh yeah. You know, I was those types of moments. Before right I came there. to work this morning, I was you know getting ready. The NFL Network had top 100 plays on, and there was a guy, a play I was watching right as I turned the TV off. A guy I don't think gets enough love, and that's Earl Campbell when. Oh, I was well, very I young mean, back in those days. Well, but, I mean, if you want to go way back too, I mean, Marshall, Marshall Falk. Well, I mean, Marshall Devin Falk kind of gets his roses, but to me, Earl Campbell's a guy who doesn't get well, enough. He just run people over, right? He doesn't get enough praise. Earl Campbell was a monster. Who's that in baseball? Does baseball have anybody like that? Oh, Otani? Abso- absolutely. Right baseball has massive superstars right now, and it couldn't but, be in better hands with young players. Ronald Acuna Jr., Fernando but, Tatis. Vladimir Guerrero, Tatis, uh, Otani for sure. Like these guys are all must watch now. All of their at bats are must watch TV. Tatis Jr. Yeah, over the weekend against the Astros, there is no more predictable moment (laughs) in baseball when a pop up is dropped that could end the inning, or in this case, in Houston, the game. Tatis pops one up. Ryan Presley, the the reliever, comes in, pops one up, first baseman drops it. Misjudges it, drops it. And next pitch, two men on, three-run game. A home run <laughs> so far. And, and Tatis Jr. does something at the plate that fakes everyone out. He hits it so far, and he stands there looking, staring. <laughs> and the the first thought I have as it's going is like, there's no question it's out of the park. The question is, is it fair or foul? Certainly if he's staring at it like that. Because why else stare at it like that? <laughs> and the great Don Orsillo, who calls the Padres games in San Diego, said something along the lines of like, you know, hits one down the line. Right. And the camera kind of pans that way. And the camera pans that way because we're all thinking the same thing. And it's not even close to the pole. It's dead left center. 
He's just staring as it goes. Because it is such a mammoth blast. I think he was just hypnotized by it. He's his own greatness and it went above the train tracks <laughs> truly unbelievable and you know he do, what he does around the bases you can't call it Cadillacing. and I think Acuna did it last night too where you kind of Herrera, pa- everyone's kind of pausing around right. third base now as they're going around kind of staring and crow stepping like like yeah, Dion used absolutely. to do yeah you know and um and hop stepping Tatis is that guy. Who is it in hockey, right? You've got McDavid. You've got – who else is – can There's we some mention some young it? players. You still have kind of the old guns in Sydney and yeah. you know, Ovechkin. Those guys are still big superstars. Right. I know we're kind of dipping our toe in a pool that we don't talk about very much. True. I don't want to watch much hockey, but yes. There are some I can't believe the Sabre fans sport. sitting in, uh, in, in the back, you know, at the controls of this show is not chiming in on this front. <laughs> There are zero Sabres worth watching is what Mike Hoskins is just trying to do. Fantastic. Fantastic. Uh, Austin Matthews on the Leafs is uh, one of those guys. David Pasternak from Boston as well. Okay. Jack Eichel is on the Sabres. Oh, of course. Well, that's, you know, it's all kind of a conversation right now that, um, that Damian Lillard, you know, brings to my mind, you know, to say the least. Joining us now here on the Rich Eisen Show is a fellow nominee for Best Studio Host uh, for the Sports Emmy Awards, but she is the only one in this group uh, of nominees with hair. The host (laughs) of The Jump on ESPN, the Emmy-nominated host, Rachel Nichols, here on the Rich Eisen Show. How are you, Rachel? Hello, Mr. Eisen. How are you? I am doing very well. I'm doing, I I guess I'm... I'm doing better than the Celtics organization, I think, <laughs> right now. Well, you're probably having a less surprised morning. Than How about they are. that? Well, so, but this had to be in the works, right? I mean, as as we're going through the throes of the season, um, what, are you surprised by the uh, the maneuvers in the front office and Brad Stevens last night strolling off Barkley Center, having coached his last game? It appears for the for the Celtics. Yeah, I mean, look, I spoke to Danny Ainge just this Friday. And it's funny because sometimes right before a game, and that's when I saw him on the court, you know, he can be kind of focused on the game, right? You know, athletes pregame, always an athlete, once an athlete, and, and just thought it tense. And he was chatty and friendly and, and forthcoming. And, and even though at that point the Celtics were already down in the series, and it was a more relaxed Danny Ainge than I expected. Now, in hindsight, does that mean something that he already knew what this was going on? Probably. Uh, I I can't say for sure, but we did talk about the future of the team. And he said that he thought the team was in really good shape with a core of two all-stars under the age of 25. And I asked him about Brad Stevens, who has obviously taken some criticism in the Boston market this season. And he said, oh, and he's like, there's nothing that you would ever blame Brad for. And he said, as far as I'm concerned, Brad could be with this organization as long as he wants. And uh, I guess that is true, just in a very (laughs) different way than we expected. In his job. I mean, that's so did you get any sense at all now in retrospect, um, uh, a sort of spidey sense in a way talking to to Ainge that something was coming or do you think this was actually something that happened this morning? No, I, I certainly didn't. And I can say that people within the Celtics organization who work with him every day. Uh, didn't have that feeling. There was a lot of people in that organization text flying around this morning saying, you know, just sort of wow, or I can't believe this is happening. But 
you know, I'm sure people close to him knew. And, uh, you know, Danny Ainge pulled off one last thing people didn't expect. So what do you think? Who do do you think? um, I mean, I guess this is a first blush isn't the proper word for it, but um, all options clearly will be on the table. Who wants to coach Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown and uh, with all those banners hanging over your head? I imagine that there'll be a line out the door. What do you think? Rachel. Yeah, I mean, I I think there's there's candidates. I'd, I'd want to take a minute before I start speculating because that right. that speculation sometimes becomes news. Um, but but I will say that it's a job that has, of course, an enormous spotlight on it, and it will probably require someone who is experienced and tough and able to handle all of the things that come with being the head of the Boston Celtics on the court. It comes with a tremendous amount of responsibility, an enthusiastic and rabid fan base, which is what you want, right? I mean, that's what some cities and teams would kill to have. And um, a legacy and and resources in that organization that that are so strong. I mean, obviously, you have all those former players to lean on. Um, Ownership in that city is really strong in the NBA. Um, but also an enormous amount of pressure. It's, you know, it, Boston is a city that now, I mean, it's so different from when I was growing up, but now expects titles in every sport. And um, certainly with, as Danny pointed out to me just a few days ago, you know, those two young players, Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum, uh, who are the strongest sort of backbone of a team that you could kind of ask for at that age. Who do you fill in around them and how do you win with them? And uh, when is Kyrie's first media availability, um, <laughs> Rachel? When is that? When does that happen? Is, it was his... uh, I'm sure we will see Kyrie again after Game One of the Boston. I'm sorry, of the uh, Brooklyn yes. uh, Milwaukee series, which is Saturday night. So, who's going to ask him the question? Will it, will it, <laughs> uh, I, of, of being the team that that ends the the, the Celtics season as well as their long time running construct uh, in the front office and on on the bench. I will say this: I, I obviously I, I don't. Danny's talking right now. I believe I don't know all of the, all of the motives behind his thinking, but mm-hmm. I can't imagine this decision was made having to do anything with how this series went. This is such a difficult year for Boston. They fell so far below their own expectations in terms of where they wanted to be. It's a team that was in the Eastern Conference Finals three of the previous four years, and this season they found themselves scraping just for a playoff spot. And I think that, you know, some of that's COVID. They had, you know, a couple really bad bouts of it go through the team. You heard Jason Tatum and then Evan Fournier talk about how they had lasting effects. Jason couldn't breathe for a long time, even after he was back playing. He had to start using an inhaler just to play games. Evan Fournier talked about even once he was back, he felt like he was uh, in a fog and had a concussion all of the time. He had headaches, and I don't think they've completely gone away. Um, So I think they've just had some bad luck with all of that stuff. They had injuries, and it was just a difficult season. All of the teams that were in the bubble toward the end last year have have sort of, you know, had some tough things to deal with. Um, I don't get the impression that anyone walked into this series, the Brooklyn Nets, this first round, thinking, oh, yeah, we're going to win this. (laughs) So I don't think the way it ended uh, is having any long-term effect on anyone's future. I think it's just sort of the end coda to a, a difficult year that probably you know these decisions came over time or difficult two years that kind of started with Kyrie smudging boston garden let's uh let's also go back to that right with him yeah. walking around with yeah. incense around the perimeter of the court i'm trying to the stir sage. something up for you rachel you I know was gonna I mean? say, the sage you want the sage do you think that that we need to like have the sage we we're doing the emmys virtually right yes 
So I think we'll be on some giant Zoom type thing. Yes, I've, I've, and, I've already gotten many of the emails about how hardwired the computer needs to be. So, <laughs> but I, 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 I'll share with you what I responded to the, you know, to the Emmys when they wanted me to hardwire my computer at home. And, you know, um, it's how impossible that concept would possibly be. I've got a laptop. I said, I can shoot a video of myself reacting to Ernie Johnson winning and you can play that instead is what I sent back. So, um, you know, well, good. That'll be your video. My video will have a little stage in it and okay. we can clap for Ernie. You're going to smudge, you're going to smudge the Emmys. I don't know if you're going to, no, 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 okay. that's not smudging. It's what is cleansing. That? Oh, my bad. See, I yeah. don't, I don't know these things. I guess I, I will should say, learn. I will say Phil Jackson did it first. So if you're gonna if you're gonna talk to Kyrie about that, you got to talk to Phil Jackson first. So a twelfth ring is going to come from this, essentially, potentially, Apparently. With, with, yes. with the Nets moving forward. I've got Rachel Nichols here on the Rich Eisen Show. A few more minutes left with the host of the Jump on ESPN and so much more. Um, so let's get into the injuries out west um, with. Um, you know, obviously a, a significant injury that it seemed like um, Chris Paul has finally suffered last night. And then the Lakers getting blown out with um, uh, Charles Barkley referred to him as street clothes uh, on TNT last night in, yes. <laughs> in Anthony Davis. Um, how significant are these injuries, do you think, moving forward, even for whoever does emerge from this uh, battle of attrition? between the yeah, two and I mean, seven here. I, I think they're significant. Uh, I, I think it sounded like from Monty Williams' post-game press conference last night that, that Chris Paul, you know, is not as injured as he was the first time. I don't I guess that's that's what we that's what we consider good news these days in the <laughs> NBA. Yeah, right. right. In the sports. Um, you know, the, the Anthony Davis injury feels significant only in that, you know, he was out for a big chunk of this season with sort of an Achilles by kind of injury. And then he injured his knee in the first round of the playoffs. And now it's his groin. And it's all on the same side of his body. So you've got knee, thigh, groin, basically all on the same side. That's that, you know, I'm not a doctor, as they say, but it's, <laughs> it's not hard to say that you start getting these compensation injuries and that one one part of your body is a little bit weaker because it's trying to have extra support for another part of your body, especially if it's on the same, all on the same leg. So um, I don't know if he's going to be able to come back for game six. Certainly uh, the Lakers need him to, but I do know that they have to be concerned that if they bring him back, you know, and they win and they then win a game seven, mm. you know, is he going to turn, is he going to hurt something else or is it going to be a long term, more long-term injury? And there's just no way for us to know that. We've got to see what Anthony decides with the medical team. There's Luca's neck. There's there's Joel's knee. I mean, my gosh, the the big stars are, uh, I guess you know, bubble wrap Giannis, uh, all three <laughs> Nets, right? Well, Donovan I mean, that's Mitchell. What, that's what's funny. I mean, who spent the most of the season with one injury or another to the point where I believe they only played like seven or eight games together by the time we got to the reg- end of the regular season? Was the three Brooklyn Nets, and then look who are the three guys who are healthy right now. Mm. And then there was last night's game that was um, on NBA TV. Uh, my gosh, I, I, I mean, I led the show with you know Damian Lillard. He's he is up there with Steph in terms of or any player, Mahomes in the NFL. Yeah. Name anybody who gets you off the couch with their I play. Mean, I mean, he is he is he's first rate. He's Hall of Fame first rate. He's I, I can't get. I, and then the Blazers lose when it comes down to it as well. The great Nuggets performance that that I'm obviously I'm sweeping under the rug, but I, I'll just give you the floor on on Lillard and and what you think about him and what you've learned about him and covering him for as long as you have. 
Rachel? He's so fascinating, right? I mean, this is a guy who's been undersized ever since he picked up a basketball, uh, you know, went to a college that I think a lot of people have only heard of because of him, um, and certainly not someone tabbed to be one of the best players in the NBA. And none of that has ever mattered to him. And that's easy to say, right? You know, we got a lot of young guys with chips on their shoulders saying, yeah, I always believed in myself. Yeah, I knew, and I used the haters for fuel. But it's a lot easier to put on that front and that bravado than to actually believe it and do it and have that faith in yourself and your core that even when the world is telling you over and over again, this just isn't for you, um, being able to say, yeah, I I actually know it is and I know better um, and I know what I can do and I know what I can become. And I've always been fascinated that Dame has had that in him in such a certain way. Um, and then, you know, his just absolute belief that there's no excuses and that, you know, whatever he has around him is what he has and wherever he goes is what he does. And we saw that last night. I mean, the amount of quote support he got on that court was, it's not what anyone in Portland's locker room would want. I mean, the shot chart of everyone except Damian Lillard in the two overtimes on the Portland side, it's embarrassing. And the fact that he just kept shooting and kept going through all of that. And then you also have the credit. Um, the Nuggets, I mean, I know you said no disrespect to them, but, I mean, this is a team that lost its second-best player and only won, really, after that and has kept its nose in the series and now leads it, which is an incredible story on that side. I do wonder, though, do you think that Damian Lillard is the most liked person in the NBA? Is there another Ooh. big star that you can say has only positive vibes around him in terms of the public, in terms of fellow players, who dislikes, in terms of his teammates. Okay, let me ask you, who, who, who dislikes Steph Curry? Like, what human being dislikes Steph Curry? Do, I couldn't agree with you more, Rich. Does he have I find haters? it impossible to dislike Steph Curry, but go on the internet. There's Come a whole on. section of Steph Curry haters what? to the point where it's become part of his kind of public persona that he doesn't pay attention to them. Um, I don't understand how you can watch Steph Curry with anything except wonder and awe and appreciation, <laughs> but there's certainly a segment of, of NBA fans who don't like him. Um, there's certainly a segment of NBA fans, as we know, who don't like LeBron, who don't like James Harden, who don't like Kyrie, who don't like Kevin Durant. Um, I, I cannot think of anyone else in the league who's in that you know top group of guys um, who is as beloved universally, and there, there is one public opinion on Damian Lillard. That's it. I, I've not seen another one. Well, maybe it's because he hasn't won a championship to piss people off, or multiple <laughs> championships. I'm yeah. serious. You know what I mean? No, like, I, I think that's part of it. Um, you, know? you know, he is an underdog. He is eternally an underdog, right? Everybody loves an underdog. <sighs> and and people love Stephens an underdog when the Warriors were yeah, underdogs. This year. And then, this year. This year. They loved him this year. They loved him in 2015. They didn't like him. an underdog, and, and it, that team was underdog. They didn't like him maybe when he's cutting down the nets or cutting, you know, cutting everybody's season short. You know what I yep. mean? Like, um, Or they thought that, you know, they were unfairly teaming up with Durant. Um, <laughs> you, know, you know what I mean? Like, maybe yeah. that has something to do with that, because it can't be his persona or his way of going about his business or you know, being a family man and a doting husband. I mean, my goodness. So, but maybe that's why Lillard just needs to win one to piss some people off, and I'm sure he wouldn't <laughs> mind doing that. Um, that's the way I'm looking at it for the Emmy Awards, too, to be very honest with you. Um, you know, everyone's just... That's how I feel about, about I mean, you. by the way, I love the whole self-deprecating act on your part, and mm. I appreciate that, and your humility <laughs> is actually genuine. I've known you for a very long time. Um, <laughs> but there is no reason 
that you would, should not be recognized for the incredible work you do. Well, thank and you. I know you're not going to give me too much airtime to talk about that. No, but. and I will say right back at you, um, Rachel. There's no question about that as well. well and and there's and and I, I just don't know the way the whole system works. I'm just <laughs> honored to be mentioned. How does that sound? <laughs> and I think I think that stuff matters. Like, I I told you I texted you this when when the nominations first came out mm-hmm. that for me to be in that group with you guys absolutely means something to me and it means something to me prior and no matter what happens on the night of the awards um the idea that this group of of guys who i have looked up to um and who have done it the right way for so long and done it in a way that provokes thought and doesn't take the cheap route um which your ability to have thoughtful conversation on this show over and over and over again every day, that is a level of excellence that I, I just don't think people realize how hard it is to achieve. And so for me to be in that group of people Thank is legitimately an honor to be nominated. And it's probably not cool to say that. You're supposed to think it's no big deal and I don't care. No. I do care because it's awesome. Someone says, said my name in the same sentence as yours and that's pretty great well you deserve it um rachel and thank you for saying that and and if you win and you see me looking like michaela maroney it's just my resting emmy's face okay so it's got nothing <laughs> well, to do against you that connection clearly is what it's going to be <laughs> thanks for the call rachel have a great show today i'm sure uh, you've got a ton to talk about i can't wait to see we it do, indeed thank you check out rachel nichols the emmy nominated host of the jump on espn Resting Emmy's face, everybody. I like that. I like that. <laughs> Maybe should, that'll like be that. uh, our, our new fantasy team. <laughs> All right, we'll take a break. Lots to unpack right there, and we will attempt to do so when we come back on The Rich Eisen Show. 844-204-RICH, number to dial. What's up, everyone? It's Reality Steve, your number one source for all things Bachelor Nation and reality TV. Every day, I'm giving you the behind-the-scenes juice and your info on all your Bachelor Nation stories and also interviewing some of your favorite reality stars. My name has been synonymous with spoilers, but I'm so much more than that. Give me a listen. The Reality Steve Podcast, part of the Believe Network. Just search B-L-E-A-V on YouTube or wherever you listen. Congratulations, Bruce. Congratulations. Oh, man. It's, it's still, it's just sank in about halfway up the river holding the Lombardi trophy and a shed of tears. Says, Holy shit, we did this. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Coach, it really is a remarkable run that your team went on, obviously, from week 12 all the way through to that podium. And, and it's interesting. See, it, it didn't happen until the boat parade where it actually sunk in to you, huh? Yeah. It really did. I mean, I was going, I mean, okay, we got to Lombardi, we're on the boat, everybody's there, fans on both sides, and then we hit a certain spot that was like fans hanging out of buildings and, and hotels and top rooftops. So I'm like, I got to Lombardi, and I'm like, even with my bad shoulder, I got it over my head going, all right, we, we won the damn Super Bowl. Now, when on Super Sunday did you say, first cross your mind, Bruce, you've been there, done that, obviously, so you know anything can can change where you thought, okay, this, this, I think this is going to happen tonight. When was that for you? Not until Devin's interception at the end. I mean, you know, Patrick has come back so many times. He's such a great player. And uh, until we intercepted that boss, that there's just not enough time for them to get it back and uh, <laughs> get us. And uh, I put that hat on and uh, all of a sudden I got my first Gatorade bath 
uh, that actually hit me because the only other one I ever had was back at Temple, but I had brought a band new suit, and I was not going to let them get me. I was quick back then, right? They couldn't catch me. <laughs> and, uh, but I just sat there, and, and, when, and when the Gatorade hit me, it was like, I've been waiting for this for like 30 years. When you were here, Bruce, uh, on the show, okay, and you were – you were talking to me, I believe it was just after you left Arizona, and you said that you had retired as a family from coaching because you had mentioned that your wife was was kind of through with the ups and downs of coaching and maybe some of the health scares for you. And now I'm just wondering if you wouldn't mind just getting a little bit personal about what this sensation is for you now that you've won it all. You came back and you got that Yeah, trophy. I mean, we actually just got off a plane back here at the lake and, and to be home. Uh, what she's been through for the last 50 years is, you know, our, our 50th wedding anniversary is June 12th mm. and hopefully COVID is over by then and we can have a party. But, uh, I mean, what she's been through moving her 19 times and, um, getting, getting back here. Um, she's enjoyed this process this year as much as anybody. And I wouldn't have gotten back in coaching if she wasn't all in. And uh, she's been all in, and Tampa's made it so, so special. Again, I cannot thank the Glazier family enough uh, for everything they've done for my family. Bruce Arians coming up in 10 minutes' time, his latest appearance right here on the Rich Eisen Show. Back on our radio and television simulcast, 844-204-RICH is the number to dial. It sure sounded like Danny Ainge did not let anything out of the bag. If he's talking to Rachel Nichols on Friday, and she's been around a while, (laughs) Mm -hmm. and she knows the organization, knows this guy, and he didn't let on at anything and he said, today's not a great day, is what he said during his press conference that went on during the moment. Is it possible that this thing came down in the last 24 hours? I know you say that there's been a lot of talk about, you know, rumors and conjecture and whatever, yeah. and you're out and Brad goes up is something that ownership would have had to have mulled for a while. Well, based on some of these quotes but that are coming out, Angel's too. not done. He's not done based on the quotes that I'm seeing. I don't mean to cut you off. No, no, no. It's okay. He said he hasn't thought about a future. Uh, one team I did see being thrown about as a rumor this morning about Danny Ainge was the Utah, Utah Jazz. Jazz. Well, I mean, he's Mr. BYU. Yeah. So. Uh, it sounds like Brad was willing to do whatever the Wick with Grossbeck was right. the team and they wanted to do, whether that was remain as head coach mm-hmm. or help with the process of finding a new president and then – Brad just kind of threw his name into the hat, and they were like, okay, yeah, let's go in this direction. And the wear and tear of doing both jobs just wasn't a realistic plausibility. So if Brad Stevens is thinking, let me get out of uh, the coaching game, okay? Let me get out. At age 45, Right, he's 45. At age 45, let me get out of the coaching game. And I've now seen enough of the NBA where I can figure out how to put together a team. Mm -hmm. And I also know the locker room better than anybody Mm -hmm. of the current roster. Because I've been in the heat of the battle with these guys day in, day out, on the buses, on the plane. Like, I'm there. I know the way this operation works, and I've seen what the NBA works. How far from reality was the idea that he would take the North Carolina coaching job? (laughs) Like or go back like, to Indiana, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah right, right. Like, take Indi- let, let me coach the Hoosiers. Right. 
because I was a Butler guy. And let me go back. Yeah. Like how far, like how in a different galaxy <laughs> was that? I think very far, obviously. You know, because there had to have been when that was all happening. Were they flying Tic Tacs or whatever? <laughs> you, you know, right. <laughs> you know, when that was happening, the, again, these things had to have been in the works. Had to have been. Yeah. And Ainge might have thought this could happen. Boy, let's force a game six. Let's force a game seven. I think what I'm most excited about now, now that this is a reality, you know, in the last couple hours, right. I think what I'm most excited is to see how differently Brad views the roster and the construct of how the team is put together right now from what Ainge thought and Ainge's view of it. Now we'll know what Brad really thought of the team that Danny put together. How about the one... I know I've got a, a guy in my mind who, who might not be... who might be that default line there. You know, about what Ainge thought and what he thought. What's that? Kemba Walker. Yeah. yeah. I think Kemba's gone. <laughs> I mean, who, who's going to, I mean, that's a big fact. I don't know contract. who's going to take him, but he, 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 he you just know what I mean? Like, fit I, with, I just don't, yeah. I don't, and that's total conjecture. But that was Kyrie not working out and then Kemba Walker coming in was kind of the, the one-two combination that led to the end of the Ainge era in, in Boston. I, I think that's super fair to, to like. Let's go for Kyrie. Let's get. Yeah. Let's go. Yeah. Let's go for Kyrie. Yeah. And let's that, make that work. And then that doesn't work. And now let's go get Kemba Walker. And you know, really, like when you when you sign a free agent guy like that, like that guy's got to be an all star. Yeah. It has and to that be. guy's got to be the, your third man in with Brown and. Tatum right. in a in a division that's got well obviously when they made that move at the time Harden was still in Houston but I mean Brooklyn's got the three and the Celtics have possible two here because mm -hmm. they're young but that's what's going on there in terms of building a championship in the NFL the reigning Super Bowl winning head coach, Bruce Arians. Great to check in with him, and we will do so when we come back on this edition of the Rich Eisen Show. And, and I don't want to put the end on this particular moment, but it's hard not to look back Go at it. it. If Gordon Hayward doesn't get hurt, oh, I think it's all, it's all completely different. That changed kind of everything, that moment in time. Five it, minutes into his Celtics career, it all changed. And I kind of – it sent everything – Looking back now, it's it set too. everything on this path that we're at right today. Well, because Kyrie didn't work out there because I Hayward think, wasn't there. And... I just think, well, Kyrie ended up getting hurt himself. Right. And then this young team who didn't know any better, all 21-year-olds and Terry Rozier, took them to within Scary four minutes. Terry, man. Four minutes of the NBA Finals. Remember we had Drew Bledsoe on as a guest because... He, he... was wearing a Bledsoe shirt because he was making fun of Eric Bledsoe. But... Right. So I, it really all goes back to that moment. If Hayward never gets hurt, this is all different, in my opinion. That's the sliding as, as, door as, moment? As I don't fan. know. I think trading for Kyrie was... I mean, I think that's all... Because Kyrie was not... I don't know. He wasn't... He was, he, he was never not built, comfortable not built for there. Boston. Yeah, yeah, I don't yeah, think he was built for Boston. But then why say, my dad played here, I'm going to wear his number, my, it's going in the rafters, well, I want to re-sign? Because... Why say all that? Then? Because he maybe believed it i don't know or he was trying to make himself believe it or he i, I 
I I don't profess to be able to get into the no, mindset I, I, I for don't think of him. Anyone can, but yeah, I mean, I mean that that's part of the reason. It's one why of the biggest what so, ifs in NBA history of the last decade, twenty years. They gave him the shot. Okay, you want to be out of LeBron's shadow. You want to do this it. This is your team. This is your team. This is your town where Big Poppy is lionized and Brady walks on water and do it here too. You're you are you can put yourself in that pantheon. That's what was going on at the time. Those are the two guys that went and knocked on, you know, Durant's Hampton's door to try and get him to go to yeah, Boston. Yeah, absolutely. So Durant says, No, I'm going to Golden State. They right. trade for Kyrie, sign Gordon Hayward, he hurts himself. That That's was, it. It's kind That's of the sliding door then. that led to the ultimate end. But what did work out, sorry, was Telling the Sixers, let's swap picks. You yeah. take faults, we'll take Jason Tatum. Second time you brought that up today. <laughs> like, and we're just one hour in. I mean. <laughs> it's the truth. Just spitting facts, hashtag. <laughs> hour two, Bruce Arians coming up.